episode of the David Crow Projects podcast. Uh, my name's Elise De Beer, and it's quite exciting because once again I am not based at David Crow Projects Cape Town, but I'm actually based here in Stanford, um, here in the Western Cape, um, with uh, Regina Brummer, the founder of Creative Works. And just to give you guys a bit of context of our relationship between David Crow Projects and Creative Works is that it has been a project that Devaker Projects has supported since um, 2012. And we're actually really lucky to be here now where we get to see the daily runnings of the project and how it has kind of developed and formed. And as some of you may know, we've also produced a really lovely small little book um, called um, The Movement Breaks in the Classroom, where we found a way um, with the expertise of Regina to make a booklet that makes occupational therapy accessible to people. I mean, we only sell the book for 50 Rand, and it's something that everyone can understand and that everyone can use, um, whether it be in small creches, whether it be in other schooling environments, or just at home with your kids. Um, so, Regina, welcome and thank you for talking with us. Thank you for coming and visiting us yeah. in Stanford. Uh, yeah, just I think you just for also having us here, not only just letting us kind of see your daily workings, but welcoming us into your home. And <laughs> um, so we can kind of start with a bit of a broad question, where it's, what is Creative Works, and how did it all come about? Well, Creative Works is a project that really developed very gradually um, over time and over a few years. And um, it's a, a community-based project that is run under the umbrella organization Creative Skills Factory. And it started around 2011, 2012. And there was basically a need, or we saw a need to offer creative workshops for children in under-resourced communities mm -hmm. in and around Stanford. And... Um, it was basically that we met in the afternoons, we packed our car with all kinds of creative tools, with paint, with cardboard, with um, clay, with play-doh, um, anything that people would give us and donate. And then we would literally go to houses in the community and start a creative session with children who would come. It's, it's really, the idea was really always to have a creative kind of, uh, creative workshop and also an open space for mm -hmm. children of ages uh, between, we, ha we have really children coming from three years old and then up into the teenage years when they are 12, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it started, just really from a desire to offer stimulating and positive activities to children. That's so wonderful. And can you tell the listeners a bit about your background? Well, I am originally from Germany and I grew up in Germany and I studied in Germany. I was always very passionate about working with people. I didn't do very well in the school environment when I was young myself. And um, I dropped out of school and started working quite early and I did in Germany you can do a called a social year where young people can go and they get paid and they do social work in communities and I ended up having a very interesting post in a youth center where all kinds of youth was uh, 
kind of coming after school and we we did programs for them there and that was that was I was I was 17 16 17 and it was um my I just wanted to get out of school and earn money <laughs> but my it was my first experience with kind of being working with working with people in the social sector and um that motivated me to go back to school and study more and um then I did studies for being a kindergarten teacher and I did then go back to a higher degree and then ended up doing occupational therapy. So my background, my professional background is occupational therapy and uh, I am very passionate about using creative occupations, creative activities um, and I like really exploring just the importance of engaging in a in 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 a meaningful occupation, which is kind of the base of occupational therapy as a as a philosophy, really. What 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 the things we love and that are important for us, um, how they really um, impact us, you know. No, I think that's really wonderful, and I mean we've kind of just um, seen it kind of happen already in these spaces. And you've kind of sort of answered the question already, but why was it important for you to start the NPO in Stanford? I, I'm qualified in Germany. Me as a foreign qualified practitioner, if I enter South Africa, I'm not really officially allowed to work. That means I have to, before I can work, I have to register with the Health Profession Council. So in the process of the registration, I had to do case studies. And... One of my case studies was a child of eight years old at the time who was referred to me by social services and who was um, who was coming from a very poor background. He grew up homeless um, in the bushes, didn't have really parents, um, hardly could speak, very low skills level. And he was referred to occupational therapy, one-on-one -on -one therapy. And when I fetched him in the mornings from, from the classroom, going with him into the therapy room, I noticed on a few occasions that he was very, um, just far away in his mm -hmm. mind, not really present. And after research and after investigating, I have, I, I realized or found out that he had taken drugs before he was coming to school in the morning. And that was really the one specific point that made me feel that I needed to start these workshops mm. to give children like him an opportunity to just be able to learn through engagement in, in play activities mm. and in creative activities. So that was, a, what was the very, that was the very specific starting point. I think it's wonderful and I think it's... Um, you, can, you can see how that starting point just sparked that your passion and your kind of want to help the community here in Stanford because so many of the young children are growing up in very difficult circumstances um, in a very negative environment and I think what you're providing for them is a safe playful creative space um, and uh, you are working with quite a few various schools and communities around Stanford can you name a few of them for us? So I work with um, Dipron Primary in Stanford. 
which is a primary school and also has a grade R section. Um, then I also work with Funim Fundu Preschool, which is a preschool kindergarten um, just outside of Stanford. And I also work in Masakane, a primary school in um, Hansby. So, um, and those are all, um, and I, and I focus, my, my main focus is the, 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 um, kindergarten section to prepare the children for school, to build up their skills levels and, um, through play activities and creative activities and, um, yeah, and support them and the teachers and their parents. Um, so on the notes of parents, like you, you also run quite a few parent workshops, why have you found that it's important to involve the parents within the community along with the with the children's um, education? Well, I find that um, that we we seeing children coming to school or coming to the grade R section of the school with not always but often with very scores, very low overall skills levels, meaning you know they struggle to use a scissor. They don't know really how to use a brush. They can't make puzzles. They don't know the colors. Very, very simple, basic things. Mm -hmm. And um, those are all things that the children can learn at home. And from observation, we have found that some parents, well, don't, they want to support their children. They're very keen to support their children. But sometimes the parents are just not aware what exactly the children mm -hmm. need to actually know and need to be able to do in order to go further into, into the school environment and achieve academically. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, as an example, is, for example, the very, very, like in terms of the pre-literacy um, skills of a child, the importance to speak with each other, mm -hmm. the importance to build up vocabulary, the importance to go, not just go down the street and, and be there, but actually consciously talk to your child what you see what you feel and and find words for that mm -hmm. with the child. So those are very um, everyday tasks, everyday things that we talk about with the parents mm -hmm. in the workshops. Um, and that is the, that was the reason why we felt we wanted to offer those workshops to equip parents to support their children mm -hmm. at, at home. And we find that if we're having the three pillars of working with the child, working with the teacher and working with the parents, we make a circle mm -hmm. and only if we have all those components in place, we can really achieve having children um, very well established in themselves mm -hmm. on all levels, emotionally, on a cross and a fine motor level and on a perceptual level. Mm -hmm. So that's really the reason, just to, 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 get, to get that aspect going mm -hmm. for the children. It's in a way trying to create like a very fully support base for these children I mean yes. that they have the full support from school they have the full support from family mm. which is so often really needed and mm. um, so you do these workshops with students and you do these workshops with parents but what other workshops do you run well we also very passionate about assisting teachers and um, that can be on a variety of of themes you know sometimes the themes are around um, learners with special needs in the classroom, where we talk about um, adjustments that a teacher can mm -hmm. make. Um, what I'm personally very passionate about is using movement activities in the classroom 
to support learning, to enhance learning, and also to help children to concentrate better. So there's workshops that we do on those kind of themes. The, the workshops for teachers are very much based on the need at the site and the teacher. So, um, yeah, and, and, then, and it's also a very interactive platform mm -hmm. where we really start a communication about how can we together make a difference in a classroom mm -hmm. setting as well. And I think that's right because, I mean, from what I've seen and kind of also just what you've mentioned is that with every community and with every teacher and student, you really are catering it specifically to their needs. Um, you're not ever trying to force a certain way or a certain method, but it's like, how can we work together? Um, it's a very collaborative way, yes. which I really yes. love. Um, and so from working in Stanford in these, in these communities, what are some of the gaps that you're seeing within education and early childhood development that need to be filled? I feel that it's sometimes, maybe that sounds very simple, but I feel that we really need to nurture as adults and as a community and as a society the spirit of childhood. I think that we need to really go back to reminding ourselves how important play is for children and to understand that really deeply that the, the, the act of play is a way for a child to learn. Mm -hmm. And I feel that is in our community here where we are living, and it's probably also a global theme that for a lot of people maybe can relate to, um, but essentially what I'm seeing around me is that the, the, the lack of real understanding of how important it is for children to understand and experience the world through the through the action of play mm. um, and to nurture that to really nurture that and and put 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 a put put it put make an, a safe space for children mm. to experience themselves in the environment they're in mm. um, and for us as adults to protect that and nurture that and also encourage children mm. because I feel if we at an early stage can establish a very solid a self-confidence, a belief in, in oneself, just by giving children that that opportunity to express themselves, mm. um, I think we can create a very, very good and solid base, you know, for all for all learning. Yes. Um, and I think yeah. um, just to kind of, so that Lutnus can kind of, from what kind of I've experienced is from we last night... Um, we did a, I was, we got to see one of your parent workshops and it was just kind of you providing them with these really fun activities that are in sense just the kids playing, but it allows them to develop these skills to be able to write, to be able to draw, you know, and I think that's what I find so interesting is that through the act of play and through the act of being very creative, they're learning these skills that help them to, to write, to communicate, to do mathematics, to be artists, you know. Everything, whether it's a very left-brained or a very right-brained activity, it is all rooted in the ability to play, mm. which I really love. Mm, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a great excuse mm. to just go play. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so with this NPO, what has been some of your biggest hurdles? 
Well, the biggest, biggest hurdles is really to 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 be multitasking in a way, to 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 see the bigger picture and to establish the bigger picture, which means interacting with people who um, who sponsor our work, who mm. fund our work, for example, because we are we are relying on people supporting us. Mm. So that is that is one part of the organization, and then there's also the programs that are actually running on the ground and overseeing them and 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 um, kind of establishing them. There's also um, because in our programs, what's a very important factor is is we having community-based ladies who work with us. So um, they are now starting to run their own groups in in the school environment that we are working in. So that's the aspect of training people. Um, so I think the multitasking and being very much on the ground and very hands-on, but also seeing the bigger picture, mm. that I find, for me personally... Um, yeah. Kind of makes you fit into of, every role yes, in yes, the entire organization. Yes. <laughs> but with, I mean, with its kind of the hurdles, what has so far just been the greatest part of it for you? Well, for me, it's really very much about... Um, for for me as a practitioner, as an occupational therapist or as a therapist, it is an environment that is sometimes challenging, but allows me to be very creative. Mm. And I feel that sometimes if you're in a situation where you don't have that many resources, um, I for myself personally feel that I have established or I've 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 found resources inside of myself mm. and also in the environment that I wouldn't have thought of if I would have been maybe in a better resourced mm. environment. So it's actually an incredible learning curve. It's very enriching. I feel that being in the setup, you know, I I feel that the things I can learn and the, the person that I can become by doing this by interacting with the people I'm interacting with, working with the children and the parents and the teachers, it just gives me, not only it gives me joy, but it brings me closer to to who I would like yeah. to become as a person. And that means just understanding life and learning about life and learning about education and learning what we essentially are as human beings, you know, and how we interact because it's a lot about communication as well. So um, it, there's a very professional journey for me in this, and there's also a very personal journey in this. And um, I feel that there's still a lot to come on it, you know. There's still a lot of potential because the ground and the situation always shows me what needs to happen. So it needs to be adjusted to that, and that's very exciting. It's, it's part of the process. No, I think that's so wonderful. And I mean, like just from seeing how the projects, I mean, your your passion for them really kind of shows in it and how you're up with the kids and just, um, and I think that's what's so wonderful is that even with some of the hurdles, you're just still so focused on like, there's so much possibility. And I think it's so true, like with the limited resources, you just actually have to be more innovative mm. and you really have to push your own ability mm. to be creative. Mm. Um and so you're running these um, sessions with children in community crashes and in schools, and then you also have your one-on-one -on -one sessions. But what's interesting is that you also then have your extramural um, classes and workshops that you run, where you're also once again being quite innovative and kind of taking the children out of the, the classroom setting. 
Um, and one of the ways that you've been doing in that is that you've you're collaborating with um, Howard Crit, your husband, who's also joining us in the podcast now. Hi, Howard. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we're going to be working with the horses because Howard runs African Horse Company. Um, Regina, can you tell us how and like why you wanted to kind of now collaborate with horses in such a way with the children? Yes. So um, in the in the extramural sessions, we do the creative sessions, but we also really like to do outings and the children really love the outings. Um we also, at the same time, are because we're in Stanford, this is a farming community, we've got very beautiful natural resources. And Howard owns a lot of horses and he runs the African Horse Company. So this is one of the children's favorite outing. So what we do is we are bringing small groups of children to the horses onto the farm. And then we've got Howard and his... Um, his um his partner Randall, who is then are then helping us to interact with the horses. Mm -hmm. So we are the children are stroking the horses, the children get to know about you know how to treat horses, how to interact with them, and then of course they're also gonna ride. And it's the same with the ladies who facilitate, because our facilitators come with, and they're also gonna get on the horse and they're also mm -hmm. riding. So this is really about teaching about nature and animals, but also that horse interaction is a very powerful tool um, in therapy, but also in the group sessions because the horses just, they give out such an incredible, they are just, you know, these huge beings and they actually give a lot of security and a lot of love, you know. So the children respond to that really, you know, and um, how it has been really you know, supporting us um, with these, with with the, you know, with these programs a lot. You know, and um, we have even last year started um, one of those programs in collaboration with the school, mm. um, where the school has found that especially some of the special needs learners have um, really a good prep profit benefit from these um, interactions. Howard, what do you think about that? Yeah, Howard, can you tell us from your side what African Horse Company is about and how have you really enjoyed the collaboration of working with the kids? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so African Horse Company is essentially a, a horse tourism company. Our main function, our main purpose is, is taking people on, on horseback journeys. As Regina said earlier, we're surrounded by incredible beauty in nature. It's a special experience for people coming from urban areas, especially um, dense urban areas, to actually move into natural space on the back of a horse. Um, it, it's a very different experience to driving through it or, or even walking through it. From a community side and and the healing side, you know, I don't think we, 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 we are able to separate these sectors of society and I think it's it's crucial that that all parts of our community are able to access um, enriching um, environments and enriching resources of which nature is one of the most potent enriching forces that we exist in. Um, so African Horse Company is 
while at the same time running a business, it, um, we are very strong on trying to, to reconnect or reignite the, the connection that, that man, human, woman and child had in the past with horses. And this is a 4,000, 5,000 year relationship that went on. And it's what a hundred years, maybe that it came to an end. Not even, you know, maybe mm. ninety years, and there was still quite a strong relationship. And the horse now has become a a sports kind of environment, but mm. still in many well in South Africa, but in many other places, it still is a a working animal, and it's a partnership. Um, and partnership is in everything. It's in health. It's in education. Um, it's in work and. Yeah, we really enjoy having, um, you know, kids coming and just the pure joy, you know. So mm -hmm. that's, and I think it's important that while we are conducting a business that there's also a social awareness and an understanding of the need to to share. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really, and I must say at the same time, we, we are very lucky to be based on, on some beautiful farms. Mm -hmm. And the support of these farms that actually make their land available for people to come and spend time on, um, where it has no financial or economical benefit, mm -hmm. but purely just because it really is a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, so my colleague Gabrielle von der and I were, were there and we had the opportunity to, to ride the horses. And I'm, I completely agree. It's just, just pure joy, really, <laughs> to be around them. And I can just imagine how yeah. these little kids and... Like even for us, I mean, we're not very tall, but not short either. But it's these these mighty beings, mighty. you know. And I think mm. it teaches the children such a level of respect for these creatures and a respect for the environment, which I really love. And they really are these horses, that, these animals that you just connect with, mm. you know. I mean, I I've, I've, I'm convinced that me and my horses are now we're we're connected. <laughs> um, the. I think the um, the thing that that really has um, come to my mind quite recently actually was the the sense of being carried. We all, as young children, we all carried that actual the the opportunity to just actually hand over that role to another living creature. And I think that's also for the children being carried, but also the impact of the, the movement, mm -hmm. the actual muscular and energetic transfer. Um, we did, in, in the early days, we did, um, Regina was doing some work when she was still a volunteer many years ago. She had some cerebral palsy children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the actual, the ability of just to be able to sit on horse to actually stretch the body, to stretch the muscles, to relieve the tensions, um, you know, is, 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 there an, is a well-known, very effective method. So, yeah, we, we, we would actually like to take it even further. Mm. We would really, we really believe that there's a lot of potential in it. And, yeah, we look forward to the next couple of years as we build it. And, you know, and the nice thing about the horse world, there's a lot of different people doing different things. Everyone has a different theory, everyone, and, and you know, we look one day, we, you know, we'd like to invite whoever feels that they have something to share, to mm. come and actually say, can we stay at the farm? Can we work with you? Can we work with your horses? Can we work with your community? 
So definitely that kind of open invitation is, mm. is something we like to broadcast very much. And as do the farms, you know, Farm 215 in Stanford Hills and Goodwill Mountain, which are the three farms that we're based on, are all tourism-based, are all accommodation-based, are all uh, receptive to investing in the area and its people mm. and in its nature. And I think that's wonderful because, I mean, with the work that you're doing, Regina, and Howard as well, is that you've really embraced the community as a whole. You're The people that you're trying to support, but the landscape itself. Yeah. You know, it's not just doing one individual job, but seeing how what you both are doing can benefit the community and the environment as a whole. Really, listeners, if you feel that this is something you'd love to be a part of and to volunteer at, please, you can get in contact with us. You can, I've got all of Howard and Regina's information in the description below. They really would appreciate anyone who is interested in helping and have any knowledge that they would want to share. Because everything, I mean, Devaker projects and especially what you guys are doing, it's very collaborative based. And it's through collaboration that these projects grow and that how these projects thrive. And I think the last question I just have for you, Regina, is how do you kind of see it all happening and how it's like the 10-year plan and what's your big goal? Well, I would really like to... Um, I would. Uh, the programs we're doing at the moment are not, are not at, at their max yet, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel there's still a lot to develop. Um, of course, I would like to... Um, like to train facilitators and offer programs in most schools here in, in our area. I One of my dreams is also to have a mobile um, creative center where we have a beautiful bus equipped with a library with creative tools and with facilitators that can go all along the stretch here in, in the Overstrand but also into the farm communities where there's a lot of people we at this point just can't reach mm. and where we really have a mobile creativity and art-based program, you know, to stimulate communication, growth and education. Mm. That is really the the plan. It's really exciting. And I think what's, what's been happening here, it's already done so much and it's very exciting to hear that there's so much more still happening. And I think it's so exciting to hear where you would want it to go and it's on the it's on the right track <laughs> um so thank you so much for speaking to me regina and thank you howard as well um and i know i'll definitely be back <laughs> yes great thank you very and much i think what's yeah. a, a big thanks to you guys for coming into dk projects yes because without you guys it's uh, it wouldn't be possible this would never have begun <laughs> no <laughs> So we are really, you know, we're relying on support, you know, um, on all levels, you know. Um, so we are very grateful. I'm very grateful and feel very blessed to, you know, to have people who support us. Mm -hmm. And we're happy to give that support, that's for sure. <laughs> thank you. And, and thank you, listeners.